Hello and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elites' very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be discussing the latest news trending around the world. Hi everyone and welcome back to Industry Elites for the final part of our two-part series with our friend Megan. So let's get into it. I always kind of took the arts through high school and, well, college, I went to art school. Like, art's supposed to be open and kind of up to interpretation, and I always had an issue with teachers that were like, no, this is it. And especially when reading a book, I always thought that, especially older books, that you would read between the lines and everybody would kind of get a discussion going, but at least in my high school, it was like... No, the answer is black and white. And one thing that always kind of stuck with me is, I don't know if anyone's read Slaughterhouse-Five, but basically it's about this guy that it appears from if you literally read the text as it is, is that he's this crazy guy that got abducted by aliens. No one believes him. And that's it. But then when I was reading it, I read it in the way you're supposed to read it, where it's this guy that went to war and, like, struggled severely with PTSD, and then his PTSD is this alien thing. And I remember explaining that once in a group discussion, and my teacher literally told me to leave because I was making things up. Oh, my God. So it's probably why I didn't handle English very well, but I totally get what you mean on, like, having to kind of open your mind and think more about these things, especially if you're a high school English teacher. I don't think it's right that your teacher put down your ideas. I mean, the entire point of studying literature is to enhance your creativity, open up your mind to new ideas, and force you to look at the world in a completely different way. Of course, you can read a text incorrectly, right? But the fact that you were opening up your mind to new ideas is valuable, and that's something that should have been appreciated. And that's something that we should constantly encourage people to do, as opposed to knocking them down. Well, thank you. I agree. (laughs) Well, so when we all have kids, Megan's going to turn and be an English teacher because I think I want to learn English the way you were taught and the way that you described it as opposed to what actually happened. So I know we touched on this briefly, but we were talking about more traditional texts and how possibly the English studies within high school curriculum is somewhat the same. So what we can maybe touch on is looking at texts like Shakespeare. Are they still essential to part of the high school curriculum? Shakespeare is a good example because he's widely regarded as the greatest writer in the English language, right? He's essentially the world's greatest dramatist. His plays have been translated into almost every language, and to this day, he remains incredibly influential. I think the only writer that even comes close would be possibly Jane Austen, who is found so frequently even in today's pop culture. In fact, I have several sweaters with quotes from her novels hanging in my closet. Even individuals who haven't necessarily taken the time to study Shakespeare or Jane Austen or have yet to have been exposed directly to their works, they can likely name a play or they can understand various references. So, of course, Shakespeare has value. His language is ever evolving, but his plots remain universal. His knowledge of the human condition is timeless. It's a shame, and similar to what we were saying earlier, that so many individuals dread learning his text. I know a lot of people struggle with language, and I think if we come up with new and innovative ways to teach Shakespeare, we might inspire younger individuals to have an interest in his works. Even if that means showing a video of Leonardo DiCaprio as Romeo, the lessons can really be the same. One of my professors at U of T actually did that in an attempt to sort of emphasize just how much Shakespeare is embedded in our culture. He 
played that Taylor Swift video. I thought you were going to say you had to make a music video to a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> <laughs> but he made a point, right? Like, we all know who Jane Austen is, even if we didn't study her texts. Same with Shakespeare. That is true. And it's funny you mentioned the Leonardo DiCaprio, because I actually watched that version of Romeo and Juliet Same. in, like, grade 11 English. And we had to do Midsummer Night's Dream, and we had to act it out or make a video or just kind of dramatize it somehow. And then my group made sock puppets. So we had all these (laughs) little fairy sock puppets. And I actually remember the scene we did because of that. And we weren't allowed, like, scripts or anything. So it was the one time I had to, like, drill it into my head. And I'm sure it made that experience much more exciting for you, right? Shakespeare can be more than us sitting down at our desks reading texts aloud to each other, right? It's Because it is difficult for some people, right? It is a challenge, especially because we spend so much time every day texting on social media. And we're not using that language anymore, right? Like, language has evolved so much from where it was. So you really need to find ways to make it interesting and to have it resonate with people. Yeah, I agree. I think even with me reading the Cole's notes where you have half kind of modern English and then half actual Shakespeare, I struggled with the Shakespeare part just because I literally didn't understand what half the words meant. Like, I would have fared better in Mandarin, to be honest. Like, it was just (laughs) so difficult to read because I didn't actually know what it was saying. And my school kind of really pushed that instead of reading the modern English of it. And I feel like if they commingled them better that you could understand it, I think kids would kind of like hate it less for lack of better word. Mm -hmm. That's fair. We kind of discussed your schooling and the different universities you went to and different campuses. How do you think the pandemic will impact the arts like as a whole? Like I know a lot of theaters are shutting down and kind of about that sort. Do you think it'll ever kind of come back or do you think this is a huge hit for the community? I think literature will be less affected than other art forms, but I definitely see it having more of an impact on, say, high school students than university students. Most individuals who are pursuing a post-secondary education already have a lot of the skills they need to really think about a text, but I think the arts and humanities in high school will definitely be impacted. Taking the time to analyze and explore works in a group setting, I think, is really essential when it comes to developing those skills. I'm assuming it'll be up to educators to really think of creative ways to get students thinking on a higher level. At the same time, I'm sure a lot of instructors will face that issue when it comes to engaging students. Thing that I kind of noticed because when lockdown started and I had absolutely nothing to do, and I've already watched literally everything on Netflix, um, I was kind of thinking, is there something else I can listen to besides podcasts? Because I was just kind of sick of hearing about COVID at that time. So I signed up for the public library for the kind of audiobooks, and I was like, I can listen to an audiobook while I work, doesn't bother me none. And then I thought that it's some weird, strange epiphany that I should probably read the classics that I've never read that I always hear reference to, but I don't actually know what they involve. And the thing that I thought was absolutely hilarious about that is in ebook or audiobook, every single copy for the next like two cities over were completely loaned out with like a 50 people hold. So I was like, if people jumping on the bandwagon to kind of take the time to catch up on these, 
old books or I don't know I just thought it was really funny because at the time too I don't really think school would have been like kids were taking these books out I just thought it was a really really random thing that all the classics were completely loaned out I mean there's really obvious explanations for that and high school was still in session and no one wanted to buy the book yeah but they were all out <laughs> like from Gone with the Wind to Catch 22 literally they were all out maybe they were it taking was... summer English courses oh it was weird I was like figures the one time I want to read a book because <laughs> <laughs> there are not a million other places no Vicky actually does a lot of reading she just doesn't read classics she reads a lot of wartime books yeah but where do you like do you actually buy the books or do you like get it like yeah. I know you can download on your phone sometimes it depends I have actually you know what I did the other day and it's really funny I have the physical book but I just find it's really hard for me to just sit down and read it's like I have a million things to do or just something and then I yeah. found the audiobook at the library of the physical book oh. I had so I listened to the audiobook instead and I listened to that it was like 18 hours and I swear I finished it in just under 2 days 18 hours eh the book's probably about an inch thick yeah I think about it that way it was good yeah I I kind of hang around the same subject matter so i read a lot of kind of non-fiction historical books or fiction that's loosely based around a historical time like the time will be accurate but the storyline won't be i don't stray far from the path and i also read a lot of mangas mangas for you professionals out there i see those in indigo a lot they're so expensive to buy so the whole point of a manga north american manga actual japanese manga is to be a quick read on the subway. That is the whole point. You pick them up for a couple dollars. You read it. They don't take very long to read. Like you can read a whole one in less than this an hour. This 18-hour audio is supposed to be a quick read. <laughs> oh no, this is a different one. This is a different. Oh, one. sorry. I was like, oh my <laughs> god. Oh, my god. <laughs> so, these are um, manga's a Japanese comic book. What okay. it is, and but they're supposed to be like just super quick. And you buy them in volumes. And in Japan, they're the equivalent of a couple bucks. In Canada, they are about 15 to about $25 each. Holy moly. So it's not worth buying them because you're going to literally read it within an hour. Yeah. So I pirate a lot of mine online. Or there's a lot of apps you can get where it's kind of like Netflix for manga. Or I guess like a Kindle. It'd be like Kindle for manga. And that's pretty interesting because you can get pretty much all of them on there but that's what i like to read instead of normal people things see like i hop around i feel like there's i could genuinely probably read several different subjects or different topics but just like changes i don't know it depends like if someone recommends me a book that's when i feel like i'll like look into a different type of theme or whatever but for the most part i feel like a lot of mystery books I think that's pretty much it, though. But if someone were like, this is a really good book, I'd probably give it a try. I think I'd probably make it about, like, 25 pages in if I wasn't okay with it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't make it 20. If I'm not feeling it within the first page, I generally abandon books. And that's my issue. The first page? If I just don't, like... like, (laughs) The author's name is, like, a couple sentences. I know. It's just, like, if I don't like how the writer's tone is, like, right away, I'm like, next. Thank you. Goodbye. Like, how long does it take you to get into a book like how long should you give a book a chance because like if the book is like a thousand pages if you're giving it like one page I feel like it may take you 50 60 pages to actually get into the storyline by the time it gets started up and then okay the flow is there and you're actually into it but it's like that could have been you could have missed out on some really good books Vicky with one page only (laughs) I mean when you put it like that 
Yes. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's this one book. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it's called Crank. And there's a whole series of them. Right. Uh, this is probably, like, grade 12. Probably earlier. I don't know. And everybody's like, you have to read these books. You have to read these books. Like, they're so good. And I was like, okay, cool. I get the book. I borrowed it from a friend. I open it up, literally the first page, and it's a poem. And the poem is written on the page in the shape of, like, a maze. And I was like, I don't know about this. And then I was kind of flipping through to be like, maybe this is just a one-off weird opener thing. Because Crank, it's supposed to be about someone's experience with drugs. So I was like, this is interesting. And then the entire book is sporadic poems that are printed on the page in bizarre patterns. And I was like, no, I can't do that. But I've been told they're a really good book. I just can't get past the poem structure. Yeah, I've come across books like that. It's something different, but I feel like you need to give it more of a chance than the first page. (laughs) True. Meanwhile, I've read Go Ask Alice probably like 50 times. (laughs) Okay, to transition back to our topic on education, Megan, do you think that due to the current pandemic, that'll impact students' chances to get into grad school? Because I know you mentioned that everybody's required to get a letter of recommendation. So I can see that being kind of difficult to make those relationships if it's all on an online basis, right? Because I'm assuming mm-hmm. when you're in class, you're able to have those conversations with your professors after class, get their insight, et cetera. But now essentially your communication, unless maybe they're doing video chat would be just through email. So do you think that's more difficult? I think it will be a bit more challenging for students who have plans to go to grad school, say in the next several years, but I don't necessarily think it'll hurt anyone's chances of being accepted. It might, like you said, just make the application process a little more difficult. I know for me, one of the most crucial yet intimidating aspects of applying to grad school was asking my professors for recommendation letters. When the time eventually came, I was comfortable enough to ask, but it was only because I had spent three years forming relationships with my instructors, going to office hours and asking them hard questions. Not only fueled my passions, but those instances were also essential in showing my instructors that I had what it takes to study literature at a higher level. I think students will have to simply make more of an effort now, especially if classes remain online, to contact their professors. But also, who knows, if classes are moved online, maybe some graduate programs may actually increase their acceptance rate and potentially take on more students, which could also work to their advantage. No one can last minute be like the week before they have to send it in. Okay, I got to go find some prop to write me a recommendation letter. (laughs) Got to be a little more prepared than that, people. I've heard that you're going to be showing us some Shakespeare examples today and me and Natalie have to decode them, which I've been very much looking forward to this because I personally am horrible at English. (laughs) So I think this will definitely be a good time. We'll wait and see. So I can probably listen several insults because I feel like those are the easiest to sort of analyze without actually having a context. Because if I were to just read aloud without reference, you guys might not understand what I was saying anyways. That's fair. All right. Let's yeah. see if you can do it. So it's just like a sentence. I have three sentences. Like there's three different sayings. Okay. okay. The first one's pretty easy. Thine face is not worth sunburning. 
I would assume that means like your face is so ugly it's not worth like going out in the sun to have it even burn it. <laughs> I would assume that that person's not even worth their time or something. <laughs> say it again. Say it again. Is this person's the sun's not worth sun? Your face is not worth sun. What? Say it again. <laughs> Thine face is not worth sunburning. I yeah, I still right. stay with my answer. It essentially just means the sun doesn't even want to look at you. I was oh. half right. Like, you're so ugly. The sun's like, I'm not burning you. <laughs> I thought it was like, we're trying to go in deeper here. That's all good. Okay, it's fine. Next one. But one, you just start off easy. It also means, yeah, like, what's the point of even going in public? Okay. You horsen, cullenly, barber monger. What? You horsen, corgly, barber monger? Well, I think it means something bad. Yeah, these are insults. I am going to say to say you you hoe and you mingle with barbers i don't know i just know you hoe okay um i don't even have a guess <laughs> like that's how like i'm reading this and i'm like uh-huh okay yep thy maiden is promiscuous <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> it essentially just means, so we write about the first part, the second part, the barber monger. It just means a vain rascal who spends a ridiculous amount of time primping his appearance. So you were so it was about right, a band. Actually, yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh That's my weird. God, we're going to walk around calling guys that now. You barber monger. You barber monger, you there. I think something else was wrong with us if we started saying these words out loud, okay? <laughs> it's true. Or they would just assume it was a different language, I feel. Like an, a legitimate different language. It's true. Like, hi, yeah. nice to meet you. Oh, yeah, hi, you horse and cullen barber monger. <laughs> Take that. All right, okay, let, one more? or I have uh, I have another one. Thou damned and luxurious mountain goat. <laughs> I am oh using that. So I'm going to take the luxurious part as literal. And then the mountain goat part, I'm either torn between some form of reference to like a devil, because goats always seem to be devil things, or. They do? The, yeah. Oh, I like missed Mark on that then. Yeah, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> like, I, I actually don't know, don't know how. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna go Google that after we finish the podcast. Devil uh, goat. If it's not, maybe like a literal sense of like goats get spooked and they like fall to their deaths for like literally no reason. I have no idea on this. Okay, I actually have an idea, but you guys can't laugh this time. You have to take me seriously. So I feel like it's like damned. Like damned is kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And then luxurious. Maybe it's like you want something and like it looks really nice or like you want this goat so badly, but the goat's also not really good for you either so like you shouldn't have the goat at the same time <laughs> that was my guess okay can't, you said you wouldn't laugh you have to give the real answer now okay, but these are insult remember so it's not like oh i really want that goat oh i forgot that is oh insult. i did forget their insults too so yeah. maybe so this is an insult to someone what's like an insult you can give someone like you're what would you think damn translated to an insult is i'd be like <laughs> damned like you're damned to hell like you're just you're one of the damned like Mm-hmm. You're cursed. I'm gonna but take it as like right? you're a cursed, luxurious in a negative sense. Like they spend too much money, oh. or they're too like too like showy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then mountain goat. Some of them are cross-eyed. 
<laughs> but you said the devil. Then it could have been the like could be a devil. Yeah, like a sneaky devil. Vicky, you're basically right. It's referring to someone who is extremely self indulgent, and that's essentially what you were saying. And oh, then go, go literally just refers sort of in a literal sense to a go. At, at least that's how I take it, anyways. Or I also think of it as someone who's masquerading. So uh, I was way off, but I kind of also did forget we we're talking about insults here. And then I think I just like I was in a ball of confusion afterwards. But it's all good, Vicky. Good job, you got that one. Thank you, thank you. Goat actually refers to what Shakespeare meant was greatest of all time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I kid you not. I'm literally sitting here like, oh, so that's where that comes from. Okay, it's oh, legit. My God. And then no, I'm like, wait, no. That the is... title of this episode is the goat. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Megan the goat. Uh, <laughs> Megan the stallions. Megan the uh, goat. No. And I won't like, please, you. please, your God, do not call me episode. Okay, so then I have a multiple choice. So three are Shakespeare insults and one I made up. Okay. The rankest compound, a villainous smell that ever offended the nostril. Thou art a mangled, dim-witted horn beast. Your brain is as dry as the remainder biscuit after a voyage. I say the oh. first one or the last one. Okay. Okay, so What's you guess I'll, you guess A. I'll... Okay. Hey, you're both wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> I made up thou art a mangled, dim-witted horn beast. <laughs> oh, that was the most legit. That sounded like Midsummer Night's Dream to me because they had all the little fairy creatures and garden gnomes and stuff. So that was really fun. Thanks for adding that little section for yeah, us. Thank you. I definitely struggled and this confirmed my already known horrible knowledge of English. But I really, really enjoyed that. So is there anything you'd kind of want to mention? Tell our listeners before we kind of round this one out. So yeah, that was definitely insightful. And I think, Vicky, we both had very different answers, but that just shows how much up to interpretation the English language clearly can be taken. But we're glad to have Megan on today's podcast to give us some insights about English and really what goes into studying it in a post-secondary education. So that's it for today's episode. Listen next week for our next one. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've had a really good time. <laughs>